On this episode, we discuss God Help Us, The Oogie Loves and the Big Balloon Adventure. Hey everyone, welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Co-starring Stuart Wellington. <laughs> and with Elliot Kalin as himself. That's pretty good, guys. I like it. I like the new direction we're taking. Jazz. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I added some jazz to the opening. <laughs> oh, okay. Quick, pull up Wikipedia. Right? <laughs> I mean, it is. I don't know what, what Don't type in jazz. Type saying, in Oogie Loves. <laughs> I thought you were saying that was like the new title of our show. Jazz. I was... <laughs> I wasn't thinking of the musical form jazz. I thought, I, like, yeah, I thought this, this is now the show jazz. Stuart plays Detective Mike Jazz. <laughs> He's a New Orleans detective. I thought it was maybe a Jag spinoff. No, no, I'm his sidekick. Um, yeah, it's Jag's younger brother. He's a New Orleans detective. I'm his sidekick, Gizmo Gadget. <laughs> okay. And you're the chief. I like it. The chief you're dies always in the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> but then your ghost asked me to hand him my badge yeah. every episode. Basically. Somehow, when you, you're the ghost, but you still have the same job. <laughs> So uh, it might be hard to tell from that introduction, but uh, <laughs> but we we're are, broken men. <laughs> we are a podcast that watches bad movies and then discusses them. And tonight, so oh, you know, oh brother, oh boy, oh, have we got grandma. a baddie for you? So what you should do the is chickens from the yard, fathers, <laughs> knock up your daughters, because <laughs> watch out! Wow, you're gonna have to repopulate the earth after this one. <laughs> we watched a little film, and when we say little, we mean it because it well, was a box office bomb. <laughs> strangely huge film and strangely overdone movie that is also yeah. tiny. Its shadow looms over many, many lesser <laughs> shitty movies. Oh, it looms over over human civilization. Yeah, <laughs> we watched a something movie called... something slouching towards uh, Oogie Loves. There's <laughs> a movie called Oogie Loves. The Big Balloon Adventure. Uh, or, or in the Big Balloon <laughs> Wait, was it? House Cat is, is trying to stop us. It's called The Oogie Loves in The Big Balloon Adventure. Okay, the right. Big Balloon Adventure. Now, uh, that points up something interesting about this movie, which was when it was first being advertised, I assumed that The Oogie Loves was something that... That existed. That existed. <laughs> sure. That people knew about, that I didn't know about because I'm a childless man, but this was surely a... Uh, well, it would be weird for you to know about it. Popular for a man with a grown man with no children <laughs> sure. to know children's television characters would be creepy. But I assumed that okay, this is something that I don't get, but it has a huge following. <laughs> that's why they made the children, a movie. And they that's made why a movie of it. you why the title like a is, Blues Clues sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why the title is not. Well, that's also the uh, the slogan for jazz <laughs> is. Real blues life blues, blues clues. <laughs> Real life blues clues. Because you you solve the crimes by you play your magic saxophone and it highlights the clues. No, but Perfect. I assumed that uh, this was a new thing because it wasn't called, say, introducing the Oogie Loves. It's not called the Oogie Loves. It's not called the Big Balloon Adventure. It's called the Oogie Loves in the Big Balloon Adventure. So you assume your favorite stars, people, the Oogie Loves, people must finally. know it's a continuation. They know the Oogie Loves and they are demanding they be in an adventure of some kind. Preferably and if that adventure, related. well, the thing is, is it a big adventure with balloons or is it an adventure involving big balloons? Well, luckily, the movie answers that question. The yeah. balloons are normal size. I gotta yeah. say. Uh, before I saw this movie, another assumption, 
uh, the Oogie Loves get in a big hot air balloon and go someplace. <laughs> nope. But they do not. Nope, they do not. <laughs> not even close. It's about regular helium balloons. No, the closest they get is when they get into that flying sombrero powered by the power of dance. <laughs> that Christopher we're, Lloyd and Jamie, and Jamie Presley own. We're of course, way ahead of, of course they had to get in it. That was the only way they could cross the weird field that they couldn't walk, run, or, <laughs> or ride, ride bicycles because yeah. that shitty llama posted those signs. The fucking dick that showed up at the party at the end. Who invited him? <laughs> yeah, who invited this llama that was well, getting in the way at, of the balloons? Maybe at the end of the day, you know, they might not like him, but they respect him. And his <laughs> adherence to park rules. <laughs> to the rules, the to discipline. Right now, there are <laughs> listeners across America saying the Flophouse has descended into madness. They There's, are right. They're, they're talking about the merest sure. gibberish. This, this surely does not make any sense. It, but uh, well, I think we need to we talk ex- about the plot. Well, first, the first thing to know is. is your assumption that the Oogie Loves were a thing that existed and they made a movie was out of it was wrong. <laughs> this is a movie made by some of the people involved with the American Americanized version of the Teletubbies. Mm-hmm. And I assume from putting that show out, they, they realized the lesson that – Kids will watch any shit as yeah. long as it's brightly colored and has made-up words in it. So let's – hey, let's go through the movie and introduce everybody to The Oogie Loves mm-hmm. because nobody saw this film. <laughs> so by watching this going to be the movie, most concise uh, <laughs> description of this plot that exists, right? Well, I'll see if I can stretch it out. Okay, so The Oogie Loves, they introduce us by the beginning by just talking to the audience. Okay. They are three – Horrific costumed characters <laughs> named Gooby, Zuzi, and Toofy. Imagine now, the Garbage Pail Kids crossed with Barney. Yeah, I think that's a good way to think about it. Uh, <laughs> now, they each have their particular uh, personality. Mm-hmm. Gooby is into science. Mm-hmm. He has glasses. He keeps talking about the, how things are science-tastic. Science-tastic. <laughs> Zuzi can speak any language, but her catchphrase is sparkalicious, I think. Yeah. And she's – it's – Feminine, right? And she's a girl. Yeah, it's, that's it's a girl. It's young feminine. girls like. <laughs> and, Things uh, that are sparkalicious. Yeah. And, uh, there, and then there's... gratitude that are sparkalicious. And then there's Toofy, the awesome party the guy. The steward of the group. Yeah. <laughs> Very yeah. much the steward He's of the totally group. the steward. And his thing is that his pants fall down all the time. So also <laughs> the steward of the group. And he likes to have fun all the time. He, he comes out and says, I'm Toofy, and I like to have fun any way I can. Which is, <laughs> or something like that, which is creepy. <laughs> no holds barred. <laughs> You're in Toofy's world now. Uh, uh, There's no safe word here. <laughs> are they in a band? Yes. <laughs> they are in a band. And they're the Oogie Loves. They never quite explain what an Oogie Love is, yeah, but the they are them. At the beginning of the movie, they explain so much about the Oogie Loves, except for what Oogie Loves <laughs> is and why. Uh, but they also tell you, the audience, anytime you see, what is it, like a bird flies butterflies. across? Butterflies. A, a bunch of butterflies fly across the screen. It means get up and dance with us. And when a bunch of turtles crawl across the screen, it means sit the fuck sit back your down. ass down. <laughs> sit down. Sit your ass down. The Oogie Loves are in charge now. Uh, anyway. But to, no, but I think we have to explain, though, that this was supposed to be the big in- innovation of the Oogie Loves. Uh, is you would show it in a theater, yeah. and it would be interactive. And according to Wikipedia, the creator of the movie was inspired by going to see one of the Medea movies in the theater and noticing that black audiences <laughs> shouted back at the screen and wow. thought, if only I could harness this racist observation for uh. kids. <laughs> That's what Wikipedia says. Uh, so at those moments, kids are supposed to get up, mm-hmm. sing along, dance. It's not just a movie. It's an interactive experience in that you can do uh, – but in the only in the way that every movie is because you could do this during any movie. But also – so do you think we missed out on anything by not watching it in its I mean, intended setting? We did do a, a little a theater full of screaming kids. We did we did at t- take turns taking part with the dancing and the singing and I got to admit it didn't make the movie better <laughs> but it did help drive me to madness quicker. <laughs> I want to say though again, again as a childless man, perhaps I'm misunderstanding something, but it seems to me that uh parents take their kids 
to the movies to shut them up as a respite from this sort of behavior, <laughs> not to encourage them to be loud and dance around. But uh, again, no, I it's might a tucker them out so you can uh, get them to bed quicker, right? Yeah, so that you can have. It's, it's faster time. than sneaking some whiskey in their milkshakes or whatever kids drink. <laughs> yeah. Yogurt. Yes. They're go-gurt. sneaking whiskey in their gogurt. Just taking a syringe full of whiskey that? and just injecting it into their gogurt tube. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's go through the plot, shall we? What there is of it. So the Oogie Loves wake up. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's are, a big part of it. <laughs> it takes about 28 minutes. <laughs> they sing about it, and they're woken up by their friend Windy the Window, who is a talking window with a face and a southern accent. Like a zombie yeah. sort of fellow. Yeah, she's very yeah, much it's, a zombie. It's a lady zombie, but she's a, a window, and she has none of the verve and joie de vivre and charm that mm-hmm. zombie has. And zombie, or the gay camp. And let's and Jambi, this is let's remember in real life director of Twin Sitters. Yeah, so he's a great guy and we love him. So they realize Windy the window. We, we there's no we reservations. Any, yeah, she's her. never worked with the Barbarian Brothers. Schloofy, uh, their okay. friend who's a pillow who's yeah. still asleep. It's his birthday, and they're gonna plan a <laughs> surprise pillow party. Has a birthday. Let's back up. <laughs> <laughs> this pillow is having a birthday, yes. so they have to have a party for this pillow. Now. Okay, and their so friend, the, the... and their friend J. Edgar, who is a vacuum cleaner. Oh, that makes sense. Get it, J. Edgar Hoover. It's the kind of joke kids shouldn't get <laughs> because they should have no knowledge of America's crime fighting and civil rights uh, intrusion past. Uh, he's coming along to help them create a surprise party mm-hmm. for this pillow. And he's sort of an ineffectual buffoon of, of a, of a he, vacuum cleaner. Now, he has glasses also, but he's not smart, and I believe he's coded as Jewish because he's very high-strung and nervy, and he mm-hmm. fucks up instantly by letting go of the five magic balloons that they were going to give to Schluffy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the perfect gift for a pillow. That's the thing. <laughs> Pillows love balloons. The more magic, yeah. the better. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what happened. It seemed that maybe the uh, vacuum cleaner was alarmed by the singing mice that he There's encountered a, on the road. A peacock while he bleeding. was trying to go up some steps. And this is and already the, a problem for a vacuum cleaner. And the vacuum cleaner was singing and dancing at the same time too. Yeah. Uh, so now, he lets loose of these five golden magic balloons, and they fly to all ends of Lovey Loveville, the place mm-hmm. that they live. Mm-hmm. Uh, he comes by. Oh no, my balloons! We only have two hours or whatever, or four hours until Schluffy wakes up or something. Schloopy. <laughs> Schloopy, sorry. Uh, and so they have to go all over Lovey Loveville to find the magic balloons. 20 minutes later, because they have to like, they put dance. on clothes and then do this weird oh. breakfast song. <laughs> I forgot about that already, that they have to change their clothes. and that, Although, they, they, this is good screenwriting. Uh-huh. In Act 1, they lay the seed that Toofy's pants are going to fall down by having him say, Toofy, put on a belt. And he goes, I hate belts. Uh-huh. That's he, all the explanation He sounded he way more badass. Though. But also... <laughs> he uh, was like, oh, I hate belts, dude. Morale! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then, <laughs> yeah, now you're getting it. But then and they also... Lady Oogie Love says, uh, hey. Lady Oogie Love. <laughs> I don't know her Her name is name. Susie or something. <laughs> she says, whenever his pants <laughs> fall down, you? you have to say this stupid you rhyme You yell, about, goofy toofy, pull up your pants. Yeah. It's terrible. So, Foreshadowing so, an entire day of pants falling down. <laughs> uh, so... They've got no time to lose to get these balloons. But mm-hmm. first, they've got to eat breakfast, which means the vacuum cleaner's going to sing them a long song about pineapple pancakes. <laughs> and they're just throwing pancakes around. Pancakes are flying. This goes Windy on- the Window says they're the best pancakes in the world, which doesn't quite make sense. No, how is a window eating pancakes? There, uh, there's also, it's implied there's some kind of flirtation between the vacuum cleaner and the window, which is yeah. weird. Yeah. Uh, apparently, yeah. <laughs> 
A vacuum cleaner has a crush on a window in as, this universe. As Dan said while we were watching it, hold on a second. So that vacuum cleaner wants to fuck that window. <laughs> now, but also, I'm, I'm, I said this too. Like, I'm mystified by a world in which some inanimate objects are alive, but some aren't. What's kind so of- for some reason, the vacuum cleaner is tooling around and has friends and feelings. It's like Goofy but and Odie. Dude. I was just like, well, Goofy and Pluto, you mean. And Odie yeah. from Odie, Garfield. Odie is in a different universe, plays by different rules. But how do you but decide say, which inanimate objects is But it's, just, well, it's just like in, in Stand By Me, they talk about Goofy and Pluto. They're both dogs, but one of them can talk and wears clothes, and the other is just a dog that yeah, is a pet. One step further along creatures. the evolutionary uh, trail. I assume that Pluto had a lobotomy. So you're oh, saying okay. at one point there was a mutation... In a vacuum cleaner that made it <laughs> sentient. Yeah, but, and in a window, yeah. All right, sure. Maybe radiation caused it, I don't know. Okay. Cosmic Maybe it was bitten by a radioactive human. <laughs> <laughs> and again, the proportionate nervousness and arms of a human. Uh, now, they sing a song. There are a lot of songs in this movie. We just watched the movie literally 10 minutes ago. I can't remember a single one. No. Except, and I'm going to try it like... It's as one of you guys mentioned during the movie. It's like when I make up a song on the top off the top of my head for this show, but worse. Yeah, because it'll be like milkshakes, making milkshakes, moo moo milkshakes, having some milkshakes. Like that's a song they would do in it. Yeah, this is not like say the Muppet movie with beautiful songs by Paul Williams. No, this Paul is, Williams was not involved in this. This was yeah. They, they no found Williams a whole is bottle. wrote. <laughs> no Williams has wrote these songs. Not even Venus Williams. Not even Billy D. Williams. They, they, they tossed twenty five cents at a vagrant. They're like, all right, now we're talking about pancakes. <laughs> do it, do it. The pancakes, pineapple pancakes, upside down pineapple pancakes. Great, great. Here's some more paint thinner. Such a write, us a, write us a song about a singing, uh, flying sombrero. <laughs> okay, so I'll just quickly go through the people they have, the, the trials they have to go through to get these balloons. Sure, Herculean <laughs> tasks. <laughs> The five labors of the Oogie Loves. <laughs> now, Hercules' tasks were to get over the guilt from murdering his family, right? So yep. I assume the Oogie Loves did the Very same. Very similar. Okay. That's why they feel so, why they have to throw a great party for their pillow friend is that they, uh, I don't know, cut his arms off or something? <laughs> yes, the pillow, more than anything, seems like, yeah, like he's someone. He's suffering from some kind of mental trauma. Or he's mm-hmm. like a veteran with, who lost his limbs. Like, <laughs> there's like... something really, later they're carrying the pillow around at the party and it's really creepy. Yeah, any any creature that, Number one, doesn't talk in a comprehensible way. And number two, has no limbs. He's well, going to read on screen <laughs> as someone who's had like maybe a, like a, a terrible, terrible car accident terrible or something. Terrible catastrophe and... as before. Well, because Shloofy sounds like this. <laughs> it's like if, you know, kind of like Gizmo, but not intelligible yeah. in any way. So, okay, here they have to go through these different trials. First, the first golden balloon's on top of a tree. In the tree is a giant tea kettle tree house. They call it a tree kettle. They meet a girl wearing su- surprisingly tight clothes for a kid's movie mm-hmm. who's obsessed with squares. Meanwhile, her Aunt Dottie is obsessed with dots. Cloris Leachman. Played by Cloris Leachman, Academy Award and Emmy winner, Cloris Leachman. Uh, they sing a song about dots, and they dance about dots, and then they use a ladder to climb up the tree and get the... Get the balloon. Okay, sure. great. They Perfect. got one balloon. And then we find out – that's when we find out that the magic balloons grow faces when you grab <laughs> yeah. them and then do magic shit like float you down. Float you mm-hmm. down or just go like, hey, you can do it. Oh, and at the end <laughs> – just so we don't forget, we should say at the end the balloons uh, demand kisses from the audience. <laughs> to co- After all the balloons are caught, they start floating away again and they demand kisses from the audience and they say, love back. is the most powerful thing. More kisses. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you're supposed to blow kisses at them. It's super creepy. These balloons are the creepiest thing. But that's jumping ahead. So they've got yeah. one balloon. The next one they find out is attached to the root. No, is a is on a has been caught on a cow at Marvin Milkshake's Milkshake Parlor. Now Marvin Milkshake is of great. course. Now who would you who would you cast to play a goofy diner like milkshake diner owning? Hepcat. Probably Christopher Lloyd. No, wrong. Probably uh, Carrie Elwes. No, he comes up later. (laughs) Probably Tony Braxton. No, if you're thinking... (laughs) Some sort of tough Italian, maybe. If you're thinking a Bronx Tale writer star, Chaz Palminteri, then yes. (laughs) Chaz Palminteri plays Marvin Milkshake. And I'll give you this. There are a bunch of, like, stars in quotes in this movie. They give it their all. None of them phone in what they're doing. They, yeah. t- they totally give it all the energy they can. Well, I mean, I think they sized up this movie, and they're like, the only way this is going to work it's is, not, if, is, not. is if we totally commit to it. And they were wrong, but not because of what they did. They were wrong because the movie was never going to work. Yeah. But it wasn't their fault. Now, they sing a song about milkshakes. They have to win a milkshake drinking contest to get the balloon. And mm-hmm. it turns out their fish, Ruffy, who I forgot to mention they bring with them. And yeah, they're like, wisecracking fish. He's the one who's like, hey, forget about this. Ay, 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 ay. That kind of stuff. I hate milkshakes. Oh. He's the Benjamin J. Grimm of the group, if you will. You know, yeah. the, and there's a part, he goes, milkshakes, I'd rather drink salt water. Wait, I already do. I'm a fish. A lot mm-hmm. of jokes in quotes. In a like fishbowl? Salt water? Really? <laughs> yeah, well, he's a saltwater fish, you know. In a little fishbowl, though? Well, I mean, they have he, to have a special like, filtration system? Water? They should. And he's drinking that. Look, the fi- this is a fish that plays by his own rules. Okay. Now, the fish drinks the milkshake. They get it. And he Marvin, drinks that milkshake. Marvin he Milkshake. Drinks it up. <laughs> so he, Marvin Milkshake does a lot of this. He's like, hey, glad you got your balloon back. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Which I want to believe I want to believe that's what Chaz Palminteri brought to the roles, that he says ooh a lot. Mm-hmm. And this is a great scene. <laughs> <laughs> Let me mention also that the cook who makes the milkshakes at this... Potentially his wife. is Potentially his wife is this horrifically realistic cow puppet with, like, rhinestone glasses on. Mm-hmm. And this is a diner full of extras that are dancing along and looking both happy and a little sad. Oh, this rivals the McDonald's dance scene from Mac and Me for kids who are sadly giving it their all in a crappy dance number. Okay, they got the second balloon. What's up next? Well, the next. Oh, and by the way, they're finding out where the balloons are located because Windy Window, who can see all, because I guess she has like drones everywhere, uh, mm-hmm. is showing it to J. Edgar, who then talks to them on walkie talkies. So the next Checks one out. is caught on an airplane at the airport, which belongs to Rosalie Rosebud, played by Tony Braxton, uh, who is a singer about to go on a world tour, who also is allergic to roses but loves them. And sings a song about how she has a cough all the time. The things we love kill us in yeah. the end, Elliot. But it's <laughs> also like it, it seems to be an instructional song for kids telling them that when they're sick they should cough, <laughs> which is weird because I feel like that's an involuntary thing that happens. When, no, kids when after you sick. forget because you were so young, but you had to learn that. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, you would just reach into your mouth and pull out hairballs <laughs> and things. You had to learn how to cough. My head would inflate from all this knot. <laughs> yep. Uh, it out. Come and, on. It, and it's a nice slow number because at this point the kids are probably all excited. They need to chill need a out. Slow jam. Yeah, they need a slow R and B jam. Uh, and they get the last balloon. They float up to the wherever. And yeah, it's all, it's they skip. use a trampoline uh, or I something. I think it makes a tra- I think one of them, the science guy, makes a trampoline out his of his name. Boa. Is his name is Gooby? Gooby. Yeah, he makes a weird trampoline. Yeah, and he jumps up. 
to wear the balloons. Now, you may be confused. Gooby is not a giant imaginary teddy bear. This is not that Gooby. This is the American Gooby. Gooby. different Gooby. This is not Robbie Coltrane. This is not... that. That's his signature role. That's Earth 616 Gooby. And this is like a what-if Gooby. (laughs) (laughs) What if Gooby was Noogie Love? Uh, Well, they've got three of the balloons. They're almost done, right? Well, looks like they've got to get the most disturbing of the balloons. That's right. Oh, it's attached to the top of the truck of Bobbly Wobbly, <laughs> or Bobby Wobbly. Thank play, you. Play, sorry, played by Carrie Elways, and he's a cowboy who owns a bubble business and also walks with a wobble because a he's truck. insane. Apparently a truck. I guess he's shipping bubbles around. I think the bubble business is in the truck, and Carrie Elways, this is... There's a point where a smile becomes a grimace. <laughs> yeah, he has a rictus on his face. And it's this May is, ask if it's possible to commit too much to a role, and the answer is yes. Yes, and it's Bobby Wobbly's Exhibit A. It's the it's almost the horror of Jim Carrey's Fire Marshal Bill character. Yeah. That's true, it's that level. But it's like he, he is so much more frightening than like Heath Ledger is as the Joker. <laughs> or like Pennywise the Clown. Or, or, or Dennis Hopper as Frank Booth. Like <laughs> there is something so much more frightening about Bobby Wobbly. And you're right, it is very Fire Marshal Bill. <laughs> and uh, it, it like it really cemented Carrie always. I always thought of him as the poor man's Val Kilmer. But now he's also the poor man's Jim Carrey. And there's something about his crazy, over-the-top, wobbling smile performance when it's next to the emotionless <laughs> Oogie Loves characters. Yeah, the, we have to say that these are uh, these are giant full-body suit puppets, but... They're very plush. They, they're like giant Muppets, but the, shitty. The mouth barely moves. The eyes... And the eyes They have, just look side to side. Yeah. And occasionally, occasionally, there's a like a slight flutter of their eyelids, like <laughs> the synapses are exploding somewhere deep within their cushiony heads. So, I mean, just imagine the most irritating voices you can imagine paired with the least ex- expression-giving faces. Even more irritating than my voice coming out of them. Yeah, a voice that has been described as douchey on the AV no, Club. No, I, I was described douchey. as douchey. My voice was described as shitty. <laughs> Let's get it straight, okay? These are my press clippings. <laughs> Okay, so they dance with Bobby Wobbly, I assume fearing for their lives the entire time, and about how great it is to wobble. (laughs) Then they convince a bird to fly up and get the balloon for them. And there's something Mm -hmm. kind of eerie uh, seeing normal humans interacting with the Oogie Loves, because you're nervous that they might accidentally, like these Oogie Loves that are much larger than a normal human. very big, especially since they're supposed to be kids, I assume. That that their childlike brains mixed with their larger-than-human bodies might accidentally crush one of these poor Chloris Leachmen. <laughs> well, they're basically Lenny and of Mice and Men. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. They don't know their own strength. They might crush somebody. Mm-hmm. Or trip, because they don't seem that agile. No, they Pants dance a lot, are though. always falling down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dance oh, in quotation marks a lot. The Oogie Loves is giving me hiccups Oogie for some Loves reason. Oogie Loves has destroyed Elliot. He's, he's got hiccups now. Yeah, my fi- too much fizzy lifting drink and too much Oogie, <laughs> Oogie Loves. Should I take over the thing? Or no, no, no. There's only one balloon left to go. All right. So, now, <laughs> so hang on, Shloopy. Hang Shloopy, on, Shloopy, hang on. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile Shloopy, is, <laughs> Shloopy is threatening to wake up at any moment and then doesn't. Shloopy. Comatose Shloopy. Shloopy. Poor Shloopy, yeah. With an F. Yeah, right? yeah. Why would you name a pillow Shloopy? It <laughs> makes no sense. Poor brain damaged quadriplegic Shloopy is, uh, is threatening to wake up at any moment and have his... Uh, His surprise ruined because yep. he doesn't have five magic talking balloons. <laughs> yep. Now, it's like a continuation of Metallica's uh, one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, so 
they have to get to a windmill to get the last balloon, but a shitty llama won't let them go, won't <laughs> let them ride their bikes or run on the grass. That sounds crazy when you say. So it's the only way to get across is to flag down a giant floating sombrero. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, that owned makes sense. by uh, by Lola and Lero Sombrero, played by Jamie Presley and Christopher Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Jamie this Presley sounds like a climax. Jamie Presley does almost all the talking, and Christopher Lloyd communicates through his bongo drums. And they dance because that dancing is how the sombrero is powered. Mm-hmm. And they go and get it. Like, oh no, they hit the they get to the windmill. Then they have to play a flute to make a tulip grow so they can climb to the top so they can use the fish to finally grab the balloon. So this you're making this sound like it's some sort of computer game. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, use fish on windmill? <laughs> yes, you throw the fish <laughs> and it gets the balloon from the top of the windmill. They got all the balloons. Great. They're riding back. Uh-oh. I don't remember why, but the balloons get loose. They float away. <laughs> the power of kisses brings them back. Of course. <laughs> and then they go and they present Shloofy with his birthday party. Uh, everybody the, the, sa- <laughs> the balloons sing a very creepy song. Very creepy song. And uh, all the characters we've seen through Windy the Window express their birthday wishes to Shloofy. By spraying stuff on him. They yeah, spray they... rose petals or feathers or dots or whatever. Uh, all the bullshit they're obsessed, obsessed with throughout the film. Yeah, this parade of Harvey Comics characters. <laughs> and now they – and the Oogie Loves sing a song and dance a dance that goes on for, what, like an hour? Yeah. <laughs> and, and the audience Multiple is... times uh, impeaching the audience, imploring them to, to give to, – uh, to Take part. And to agree that this is a great movie. Yeah, and to to lose themselves to the magic and the music and the passion and love the movie. Lose, lose yourself in the music, the moment. <laughs> yeah, you own it. You never let it go. Yeah. Eight Mile, Oogie Loves. <laughs> now, the audience is invited to take part in the dance. The audience declines the invitation. <laughs> and then the movie is over. And we're all poorer for it. We are all 97 minutes. No, it was uh, 87 minutes. Thank you. Poor, poorer for it. So this was a tightly plotted film, is what you're saying. What I'm saying is that even at 87 minutes, roughly 95% of it is filler. (laughs) Uh, I mean, this movie tears me in a certain way because I feel like if it had worked, it would have been a perfectly fine thing for very young children. Yeah, sure. This would be a great movie for three-year-olds or two-year-olds if it wasn't terrible. Yeah, who need to jump around and and scream shit and, like, that's, that's, that's entertainment for them. But it is... So insane and so disjointed. Well, and it's and so dumb and like – I mean kid dumb is one thing. Like kids can yeah. enjoy dumb stuff. But this is – I can see a kid just finding this stupid, you know. I mean and everything that's in it is is so half-assed. I mean we talked about how they give the characters their things, which is one of them scientific – one of them's a party animal and one's a girl, basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she can, she, but she can speak any language, even including animal, animal tongue. She speaks a lot of animal languages. But that none of those things like really come into play. She speaks uh, animal all the time. She speaks to that uh, toucan, the, puffin. A puffin. She speaks to a puffin. She speaks to a cow. She like, speaks to a llama. That's like a special llama skill. That's not a personality okay. thing. The, and the science guy uses science constantly. Mm-hmm. And the party animal is kind of a goof off mm-hmm. and his pants fall down. <laughs> yeah. He's he's cool but rude. He is sense. very rude and very cool, <laughs> just like Raphael. If Raphael and Michelangelo had some kind of a turtle baby, mm-hmm. and instead of a turtle, it was an Oogie Love, it'd be him. And they, do you think that's where the Oogie Loves came from? Is they are the inbred children of Ninja Turtles? <laughs> that's why they're so. It's only fun. possible. <laughs> I mean, I do, especially when you consider the Ninja Turtles. I'm assuming are all male. 
Yes. So I would I wouldn't be surprised if it turned out Donatello was passing. <laughs> it was actually a woman all this time. I do appreciate a world where all the peoples of the world, uh, whether they be oogie loves or vacuum cleaners or pillows or humans, can come together and have a party. Yeah, and, and, and whatever other hand puppets you can find around the yeah, workshop. Yeah, because they all just all the a animals raccoon. you've seen in the movie. Just hey, you want you want some raccoons with rubber gloves on? Sheep. We got like ten of them. Yeah, yeah. Here's some mice that are doing something. <laughs> now it is a half-assed movie though. Like the songs sound like they were written in about ten minutes, all of them. Uh, there are a lot of crappy effects. There's one part that where Dan pointed out we were watching, they very clearly looped some footage while the Oogie Loves are waiting for something to happen, mm-hmm. as if they didn't have enough footage. They didn't have three more seconds of them just standing there. Yeah, they couldn't just be like, all right, we need to run this uh, you know, for another 30 seconds. We just need a, a shot of the three of you in costume standing in one place. They, they looped the same like 1.5 seconds of them standing around over and over again yeah. waiting for the sombrero to land. Uh, Let's just say, also, the choreography is lackluster. (laughs) This is hardly a Bob Fosse film. I mean, uh, if I didn't know better, I would have assumed that, like, uh, a small troupe who put on this show at nursery schools or whatever that got one or two good receptions were like, oh, my God, this would be great if we could translate this into an hour and 27-minute long feature film. Yeah, it certainly doesn't look like a movie that cost $20 million, which apparently it did. I mean, most of that probably went to Carrie Elwes. <laughs> There's no price high enough to get him to play Bobby Wobbly. Was that it? Yeah, it's not Bobbly. Bobbly Wobbly? No, it's Bobby. Bobbly Wobby. Okay, wait. <laughs> and his toucan character. So Puffin. Puffin. Her name was Penelope. It's not a, it's not a toucan, though. No, it's not okay. a toucan. So I guess what we're saying is this is a good movie for driving someone crazy. Like It felt at times like this is a movie that either... I like it. One, and it opens without credits. The, yeah, there's no, there's no, nothing. You're just thrown so into you indicate it. Indicate what you're. Watching. It's like this is a movie that was designed to play to inter to prisoners of war while you're tor- interrogating them, or it's a movie that, like, if I certainly the film quality is no indicator that you're sitting down to watch a major motion <laughs> no. picture. Halfway through the movie, if I had suddenly woken up in it's a hospital well bed, <laughs> it sure. is very well lit. If I had suddenly, it has, it has, the, it has the quality I like in my softcore pornography, and that it's well lit. <laughs> <laughs> that you can see everything. <laughs> the, if I had halfway through the movie suddenly woken up in a hospital bed with a fractured <laughs> skull and just blood loss, and they were like, you were muttering something about Oogie-wa? I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I was muttering Oogie Loves. <laughs> I was muttering Oogie Love, but I guess I hallucinated the whole thing. Yeah, it was, I was muttering Oogie Loves. And by the way, get Hollywood on the phone. <laughs> Tell them uh, never to make this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I feel God. like there's. It's rare that you see a movie where you're like, I wish I could travel back in time to stop this from happening. But basically, this and Cannibal Holocaust. You would have had to go back to 2009 because this movie <laughs> sat on the shelf for four years because they were trying to patent its <laughs> shittiness. <laughs> They're trying to patent the idea of interactivity. When we and we all know that existed already in that movie that Christopher Lloyd I think was also in, where you made the decisions over what the main character uh, was going to yeah. do. What was it called Mr. Robot or something? Do you guys not remember that? Yeah, you, 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 man, you dialed you just it up bored in your tears with your story, dork. <laughs> this is a, there was a movie where no, I know you, you chose which way the story would go or whatever with a remote, and they advertised it multiple times at movie theaters I went to as a kid, and it never arrived. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna look this up while we're talking. Okay, well, people realize while it's using the internet, no, they want a movie that it tells them a story and they can forget about their life. Uh, I think that. Because we are 
talking about it. He was called Mr. Payback. I'm going to look it we're up. Talking, uh, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah. Because we were talking about a movie for very small children, there's not actually a lot of depth we can get into. I think we should move sure, on. Sure, good, good movie. Let's go on. <laughs> well, 100%. I think, I think it, it, it's a hard movie to describe and go over Final when, judgments. You, when you're not watching it with us. Yeah. Because it's so stupid. Everything that happens is arbitrary. Yeah. Uh, is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of like? Stuart, what do you have to say for yourself? My review is based on whether or not I think any human beings uh, that are, I mean, maybe a little kid would like it, but I would say it's a bad, bad movie for anybody but the littlest of children. You, Yeah, if you are of an age when you can operate under your own body parts, I guess, then this movie is too young, is too young for you. Yeah, I would say this is a bad, bad movie with the caveat that if you were uh, if you were drunk or stoned, <laughs> this is probably exactly what you want to watch. Yeah, if you're, if you're stoned, it. you might really enjoy this. <laughs> I think if you are stoned or one years old, you would like this. Otherwise, it will be excruciating. Put it on the put it on the VHS tape, <laughs> <laughs> not a DVD. Put it out in VHS. If you are stoned or one, this is the movie for you. Or a stoned one year old. If you are high and you and your one-year-old want to bond, put on the Oogie Loves movie. You can dance and sing to your heart's content. And yes, the movie I was thinking of was called Mr. Payback. Well, there you go. Starring Christoph Lloyd. <laughs> Christoph Lloyd. So do we all agree bad, bad movie? Or, yeah, Stuart, sure. I know when you lay down in despair during the movie on the floor, <laughs> that was because you it liked just, it, like, right? Face down. <laughs> face I mean, down on the floor. Never have I seen facing away from the screen, might I add. It was it was not just that the movie was bad that it but it was telling me I had to do things. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. one thing to let a bad movie just I'm wash not gonna over throw you, you but... my kisses. You have not earned that movie. <laughs> so um before we get into other plugs, I'd like to quickly plug something on behalf of two out of three of the Flophouse wives. Um this uh this podcast will actually be going up. One day, probably in front of the Oscars, so you don't have a lot of time to take advantage of this. But uh, my my wife, uh, Sarah, last name withheld, is the screening of the movie Oscar with <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, uh, close, and Kirk Douglas. She's a uh, she's she's organizing an Oscar pool to help fund uh, number one, uh, cancer research, oh. but number two, poop. Her taking part in a triathlon <laughs> Good one, where the funding goes to cancer research. Uh, it costs uh, $20 to enter this Oscar pool. Uh, details on submitting patent ballots will be on the Flophouse webpage. But basically, uh, I, why can't I get to the email address? All right, there's an email address. It's uh, you're, you're losing them. At the Flophouse. <laughs> Just go to the Flophouse podcast at... Flophousepodcast.com. <laughs> you'll, you'll text everybody you, the details are later. Are you making this up as you go along? <laughs> Just go to uh, oogieloves at uh, oscarballot.edu.gov slash internet. For some reason, it's not in my email. I sent it to myself. It's not in my email. Go to the Flophouse Podcast webpage, which is the Flophouse This is the biggest podcast. twist I've ever seen on the Flophouse. And they the will, flubhouse. The, the mystery of the missing email. <laughs> there will be Everyone's a suspect. I think it was Lulu the cat. <laughs> Jesus Christ, guys! Come on, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do this thing, and uh, you're actually uh, we're ruining right. it. Hold on, it's OscarPoolTNT at gmail dot com. OscarPoolTNT at gmail dot com. The TNT does not stand for the network; it stands for Team and Training, which is uh, the team group and training that yeah. uh, Sarah's doing the triathlon with. So, 
Um, there's it's a dynamite. Uh, I will put up a link to the uh, ballots on the Flophouse page, and the winner will get a cash prize to be announced at a viewing party at Charlene's Bar. In Brooklyn. And what else is going on in that party at Charlene's Bar? On Sunday... I mean, I'm going to be there drinking, probably. No, it's like there's a holiday. No, that's the day before. That's the Jesus day... Jesus Christ, you were... I'm trying to get through a whole thing, and you guys are slowing me down. <laughs> a movie podcast. Here are the bullet points. Oscar pool. <laughs> Charlene's Bar. Brooklyn. Sunday, 224. Uh, $20 to enter. There will be a link on the Flophouse page for the ballot. You don't need to be in New York City to enter. This helps uh, my wife reach her fundraising goals to participate in a triathlon with team and training and helps Stuart's wife make money to feed the Flophouse house cat. All proceeds go to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And you know that Gus from Don't Tell It Me, it's me, Don't Tell It Me was a survivor of Hodgkin's disease, so they could be saving a Lobo merengue by uh, donating money to Team and Train. And now that we're done with if that, if you had it all written down, why didn't you just read it off? Classic. I was trying to. You kept fucking interrupting me with unrelated things like the Purim party, which is the the day before and the day that we're releasing this podcast. So people probably won't be able to get a costume put together. They got to rush out. Oh God. They that was a <laughs> fucking mess. What a what a what a tragedy! Uh, now what do we do? Hey, should we plug our uh, Should we plug our network? Yeah, I think yeah. we should. Dan, uh, I've got a few all things comedy plugs. Uh, Ari Shafir's comedy special Passive Aggressive is available at chill.com slash Ari Shafir uh, for five dollars under the self distributed model that is so popular among comedians these days. Uh, and uh, you got uh, The Bitter Buddha, a film uh, starring Eddie Pepitone, is coming to theaters and video on demand on February 19th, featuring many of Eddie Pepitone's friends like Patton Oswalt, Sarah Silverman, and Zach Galifianakis. You can find the trailer for The Bitter, Bitter Buddha on YouTube. So those are a few plugs on behalf of our friends over it's on It's on video on demand, so you can just watch it at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. You don't even have to get dressed up nice. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to put on a tuxedo like you normally would. Or see tuxedo, as Stuart often does. Uh, yeah. Film watching. <laughs> well, the fuck not. So now what do he's we do? In, he's in his own home. Uh, now What happens next, Dan? We interrupt you some more? Do we have yeah. to watch the Oogie Loves again? <laughs> <laughs> because I'd say no. I think it's time for us to go on a big balloon adventure to uh, letters. This is uh, where we talk uh, about letters that we've received. The Flophouse movie mailbag, if you will. Letter time at the Flophouse. Letter time with all of us. It's your friends, Stuart, Elliot, and Dan. Not real friends of yours. You just listen to us talk about movies. <laughs> Pretend know. we're your friends. Whatever. You it doesn't matter. Them. But we're great guys. Except when we belittle it's, you, the listener, which was right now. It's one of the it's three letter different ways. Time. It's really one of the three different ways our fans can uh, and let us know how they feel about our show. One is on our Facebook page. Yeah. One is with letters. Join and one the is Facebook just page complaining about us or other bad movie <laughs> podcasts on the Young and Navy Club's uh, comments. So if section. you've heard about that, there's three ways to get in touch with us. One Facebook page. That's where you go if it's a positive comment. Two letters. That can go either way. And three AV Club comment section. That's if you hate us. <laughs> so uh, Letter time. It's the letters for, oh, you, and for, you, and for you 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 and for you. <laughs> I think he's stuck. <laughs> letters, this, Oogie Loves Edition. <laughs> this letter's titled, Seriously Bros, Let's Get Serious. It's from Trying a gentleman serious, called uh, Butt McFarterson. I think that's probably... Uh, <laughs> Hard to get serious when that's the guy you're getting the letter from. <laughs> sure. 
Hey, Duders, I'm a big fan of your podcast. It's funny and shit. Dan McCoy is a pretty cool pervasoid who loves boobs, which is rad. And Stuart is Did a right this when I was drunk. <laughs> but I've, re- I've got a real question for you guys. So uh, nothing for me. No description for me. <laughs> I've got... Because you're a dweeb. I've got a real question for you guys. What's up with Elliot? Uh-oh. He tells hundreds of terrible jokes all the time. He's a riffer. It works well once an episode, but how do you guys keep him sneaking into the locker room during classes... Breaking into his locker and snapping his glasses. You know we're not kids, right? <laughs> Is it because he got you all jobs? <laughs> Is it because he broke both he, he broke both his legs climbing a mountain? Does he have imminent death syndrome? Does he always buy the Popeyes? Because if I have to hear him bash Dan's terrible joke telling abilities before immediately spinning around and telling <laughs> terrible jokes one more time, I will lose my shit violently <laughs> in my pants. <laughs> Well, wow. I mean, it's hard for me to... <laughs> Sounds like his ancestor's job was losing their shit in their pants. <laughs> yeah, it's son of farter. <laughs> uh, I mean, right now the stakes are very low for me to stop making fun of Dan telling jokes, since all that's going to happen is Butt McFarterson is going to poop in his own <laughs> pants. So I think I'm just going to keep going until you give me a better offer. <laughs> Do not appreciate how, how I'm the neg- I'm criticized in that email yeah well at least attack my songs i know they're not very good this it's a technique called negging you use one picture <laughs> of a girl oh it, now i'm really interested maybe it's, in it yeah maybe he's just trying to draw your attention this consider next, it i'm gonna learn more about this mcfarterson <laughs> fellow this next email is titled secret alliance it's from matt last name withheld he matt carmen dear elliot dan and stewart Two of you have secretly been in an alliance to remove the third from the podcast. Please synchronously reveal to the third that he has been voted off the podcast. So that's from Matt. Stewart. (laughs) It seems pretty clear. I mean, we don't bring anyone else. I mean, we're in cahoots with Al Magical, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Al Magical. Yeah, he's going to take over my spot. And ring his new character, the house owl. (laughs) Yeah, I got some other irons in the fire. I got some TV I want to catch up on. What's going on on Good Wife? Just Al has what we call star quality. Yeah. Wow. Wow. No, he brings name value. Star quality. That's what it's called, right? SQ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Stuart, this isn't the way we want to Is this my last out. one? Or? <laughs> this is, unfortunately, uh, this is time for your review. Let's take a look at how hey. you've been doing so far this year. Could have told me before we watch you, he loves. No. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> been... let's take a look. On a scale from one to ten, how would you rate yourself in the area of movie riffing? Probably a two. No, I think you get at least a three. Okay. Okay, now in the area of recommending the same movies over and over again, one to ten. Uh, I'd probably only say a one. I don't do that very often. Ten plus. <laughs> okay, now boob appreciation from one to ten. I'd probably say a negative four. Actually wow. a negative seven. Oh, wow. You are gay, it turns out. <laughs> okay, well, uh, you guys want to go on a date? Sure. sure. Well, you're back uh, in the group. Cool. <laughs> That's all we wanted. <laughs> We're both... Simultaneously super accepted uh, <laughs> our homosexual date with Stuart and super accepted of uh, polyamory, apparently. Hey, look, it's the 21st century. Time yeah. to get with it. We're all going to be married in space someday. It's like an Alan Moore comic book. <laughs> Let's yeah. go. Here's your space ring. Yep, we're just like Alan Quatermain and Mina Murray and Orlando <laughs> having a three-part relationship. Just like the original authors intended. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe Virginia Woolf intended. This is titled Metal Up Your Ass. Hey, oh, the original title of the first Metallica album. It's from Eric Lasting Withheld. He says, Dear Floppers, I just listened to the Rock of Ages podcast and enjoyed hearing Elliot's two references to the 80s output of Metallica. 
along with his desire to have heard Motorhead's classic Ace of Spades sung by the stars of Hollywood. No, I didn't want them to sing it. I wanted Motorhead, I wanted Lemmy to sing it. He's a star of Hollywood. Continue. Before. (laughs) I'll allow it. (laughs) Before, I thought Elliot was an annoying know-it-all with a high-pitched voice. (laughs) What is with... So did you cultivate just a selection of Elliot bashing letters? He's been slowly working on this one. (laughs) But now, after seeing his closet metalhead come out, I feel I have an honest kinship with him. Oh, thank you. What are, in order, Elliot's five favorite metal albums from the 80s? You can count 1990 as part of the decade if you want to squeeze either Megadeth's high point, for me at least... Rust in Peace, or Slayer Seasons of the Abyss onto your list. Sincerely, Eric's last name withheld. Hmm. Well, Eric, that's an interesting question. Uh, not having any on, off the top of my head, I'll just say off the top of my head, well, you got to have Kill Em All by Metallica. Then you got to have Ride the Lightning by Metallica. Um, I think maybe Power Slave by Iron Maiden. I think that might be 90s, dude. No, that's it's, it's 80s, I think. And um, Although I do remember my mom playing Rime of the Ancient Mariner for me. Mm-hmm. And you were just a wee lad. <laughs> yeah. And uh, let's say the 80s songs that are on Megadeth's uh, Greatest Hits album with some of their 90s songs sprinkled in there. Sure. And probably, and you're missing Bathory's Under the Sign of the Black Mark, of course. And of course, since we've said 80s, it outlaws one of my other favorites, which is Judas Priest's live album, Unleashed in the East. Okay. So we got a bunch. Mm-hmm. And it was the Flophouse Metal Corps. <laughs> <laughs> Flophouse Metal Mailbag. <laughs> Uh, Thanks, Eric. For any other metal questions for me or Stuart, just write in. Dan will answer questions about 80s pop hits. I mean, I've got, you know, I can... I He's can, got a little bit of an edge. Come I on, can do, yeah, that's true, I can yeah. do punk and post-punk music. There uh, you go, yeah. I'm just not a metal guy. Uh, this... Metal guy was the name of a superhero <laughs> that we briefly tried to pitch. <laughs> it was when somebody, uh, when Superman was dead for a while. Yeah. So we needed a guy who was kind of cool, but not as cool. So we called him Metal Guy. Metal Guy. And they stole the idea and made it steal. <laughs> We so. all we did pitch the idea of Shaquille O'Neal being his true identity, yeah, exactly. not the actor playing him, but the actually he is Shaquille O'Neal, the basketball. Yeah, he was much more successful in real life than he was a superhero. <laughs> this next uh, email is titled "Ding Dong Gate Reve- Revisited." Sorry, oh, Ding we have to sure. reopen that I'm chapter of Slav history. Uh, New it, evidence comes to light, I'm sure. Let's it, see. So the theme of this is bashing Elliot, so how are they going to pin Ding Dong Gate on me? Okay, this email is from Jerry T. Robot. I assume the T stands for the. It has to. Uh, and or Thaddeus. he says, Hi, Theodore Floppers. Robot. I just re-listened to your Passion Play podcast, and I wanted to weigh in on the raging controversy that is Ding Dong Gate. <laughs> Stuart's right. Everybody else is dumb. Awesome. <laughs> While it is true that Giorgio totally bites off a prostitute's tit, he also bites off a police officer's eye and cheek literally eats that prostitute out to death mm-hmm. and is possibly and possibly also eats the skin of a cat mm-hmm. second contrary to dan's <laughs> recollection Giorgio's penis is fully attached to his body throughout the film i don't think that's true uh <laughs> we're although, gonna have to go frame by frame people <laughs> frame by frame although it is admittedly disfigured i'm surprised such an observation almost freakish <laughs> i'm surprised such an observation <laughs> almost escaped, <castle-y. laughs> escaped dan's renowned Purview. Well, look, I, you know. Hilarious. It's a heterosexual purview, but thank you. Dan, sexuality is on a mm-hmm. scale. It's fluid. It's very fluid. And yours is extremely fluid. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Seminal. it's like something out of a Clyde Barker novel, am I right? Yeah, exactly. Boom. High five. Gogurt. <laughs> and third, prior to Giorgio's romantic interlude with Silvana, the aforementioned prostitute, he rips off his own thumb in order to free himself from his shackles. 
This is where I think the initial confusion began <laughs> oh so many years ago because Giorgio's body is so gross that his discarded <laughs> thumb kind of looks like a little ding-dong. <laughs> Having hopefully shed some light on this controversy, I'd like to address a larger thematic concern, the way your podcast generally treats Castle Freak. The Flophouse treats CF as if it is some kind of horror movie. Quite the contrary. Castle Freak is, is a, a heartwarming, <laughs> heartwarming coming-of-age story of a blind girl, the Castle Freak she loved, and the society that refused to accept their unconventional relationship. In the end, the titular freak and the father of our heroine lay dead next to each other. It becomes clear that it becomes clear to all that the only freak in the movie is society's rigid understanding of class and gender roles. Yeah, it's a real Johnny Belinda remake. A timeless call for tolerance. <laughs> Keep up the great work, best podcast around, Jerry T. Robot. And the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature goes to Castle Freak. <laughs> Wait, I mean, the original title was Children of a Lesser God 2, Castle Freak. <laughs> to the Castle Freak? Oh, so, man. So, Stuart, what do you have to say to that? Uh, well, you know, I think I'm right still, but I've been wrong in the past. Flophouse listeners, if anyone knows Stuart Gordon, get him to weigh in on this issue. Mm-hmm. Have him come over to Dan's house. I will provide the beer. Elliot will provide the chicken. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dan, Dan will provide, uh, I guess, a couch. Yeah, a couch or two. So... Stuart Gordon. Stuart Gordon. Weigh in on Ding Dong Gate, which is apparently back again. Yeah, never left, man. <laughs> never this left. is probably our most organized uh, podcast we've ever yeah, done. Yeah, the, the Oogie Loves has a way of doing that. It's like a neutron bomb being shot into your brain. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Oogie Loves uh, was the least successful film in history, right? It, well, least worst opening for a movie appearing on 2,000 screens or more. So it top it, it beat Delgo. It beat Delgo, former Flophouse fave Delgo, uh, and it won. It according to Wikipedia, at least the amount that it made was roughly equal to forty seven dollars per theater mm-hmm. uh, that weekend. And does that include popcorn sales? I have to assume it's just ticket sales. Uh, I assume it's not pop. I assume no. What about no, nacho sales? I assume no popcorn was sold because one, you're going to be getting up and dancing. The popcorn's going to be flying out of the box. Sure, not have or time choking to eat you. It. Uh, Two, who's going to do the popcorn trick in an Oogie Love screening? That's disgusting. And three, I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> what the numbers come out to is that average number of people per screening of Oogie, Oogie Loves was about 1.8 or something like that. Less than 2.8. Is 2.8 like a kid? Or? I think they're just averaging out. Oh, okay. All right, well, the final email. So I if made. you saw Oogie Loves in the theater, it's very likely you were the only person in the theater or you had one other person with you. And you should count yourself kind of lucky, like you are part of an elite group. Yeah, it's the way I felt as it was intended. When I there's a Japanese, oh no, sorry, not Japanese. There's a Chinese movie called Devils on the Doorstep that I saw when it ran at Film Forum for like a a week or two, a couple weeks, and it was an AV Club article about it where they mentioned that on its American release it made sixteen thousand dollars, and it made me feel really special that I was part of this tiny group that saw this movie like a Kickstarter. (laughs) Yeah, basically, it was like we were the Kickstarter for the American, you know, translation of this. uh, of this movie but anyway uh i realized by watching the movie the three of us with a cat in one room this might be the largest audience that the oogie loves movie ever played to (laughs) (laughs) largest single group all right well let's close out the mailbag with this last email closing up the mailbag sip it tight don't let those letters out letters want to jump and scream and shout but zip up the mailbag keep them in suffocate them makes it easier to bury them (laughs) 
Mailbag murder. Murder those letters in the mailbag. <laughs> the mailbag murders. Starring Carrie Elwes. Sounds like a case for jazz. <laughs> so this Sorry, final... Carrie Elwes as the mail. As the mail. Jazz is on the case. <laughs> final email is titled... After he bought that magical saxophone off that gypsy. His final email that we may not have time for anymore is titled... Why I'm never listening to Stuart again. Yeah, we probably don't have time for this. <laughs> no, I think we need to uh, hear, find out this. Is it ding-dong related? It's, uh, it's from Ryan, last name withheld. He writes, I was recently visiting my parents and decided to peruse through the on-demand section of their cable provider. I stumbled upon one section with a completely nondescript title I've already forgotten. It contained a possibly endless list of films. I was in the low 1,000s by the time I hit <laughs> movies beginning with the letter H. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as I could tell, it was a compendium of seen-by-nobody B-movies from the 80s and 90s, with an odd sprinkling of significantly more well-received films, such as Capote and Field of Dreams. What caught my eye, though, was a certain film called Head of the Family Unrated Edition. I don't think I've ever had the displeasure of sitting through such a horrendous plotting disaster that left me more confused than terrified. <laughs> I don't know what is different in the unrated version, but I suspect it has something to do with the endless deluge of Jacqueline Lavelle nude scenes. I dread the day when I am startled by the sudden appearance of Invisible Maniac or Castle Freak in my life. Regards, Ryan. This is, I think, the first complaint we've had off of a recommendation. <clears throat> I mean, well, um... Stuart, your rebuttal? Uh, well, I guess I've earned that. <laughs> I have to say, if someone's complaining about endless Jacqueline Lavelle nude scenes, I don't know what's wrong. Yeah, then there's there's nothing we can do to help you. You you want something Consult else than we doctor. can offer. Uh, Head of the Family is a totally stupid movie. <laughs> so you're saying it's not totally scarifying. <laughs> or snorifying. Unless... <laughs> Unless you're totally spookified by a giant uh, melon-headed uh, telepathic, I guess, enemy. Uh, well, like yeah. MODOK. Yeah, like a, he's basically a MODOK. He's basically like, a cut-rate MODOK. Head of the family is for someone who, who enjoys the idea that there's a giant head... <laughs> Of the family. The head of the family. <laughs> and if you mess with the head, you're dead. I mean, the fucking, <laughs> the fucking box right tells it all. That's what it says on the poster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mess with the head and you're dead. And Jacqueline the Bell takes her clothes off. Now, come I, on, guys. I know, I know if you guys. <laughs> this movie has it all. <laughs> when, you're, when you're visiting your parents, you sometimes want to be taken to a different world. <laughs> In this case, you want to be taken to a world where there's a head. (laughs) And if you mess with said head, what happens to you? (laughs) You'll end up being dead. I don't know what what you're asking for. The titular head. When when our listeners are considering one of our recommendations to watch, okay? If you want to feel smarter, more enriched by the experience, you go with maybe an Elliot recommendation. Yeah, come on, a life Put of a on horror. your fucking black and white movie watching glasses and watch one Elliot. <laughs> just glasses if you need them. When you're on a plane, you watch one of fucking Dan's. <laughs> and when you're probably pretty drunk and you're annoyed that you're staying with your parents and you're in the basement, you watch one of Stewart's. Yeah. I think it's pretty fucking clear. I think that is clear. I think you made a great you point. Fucking bake up some pizza rolls. <laughs> Squirt some gogurt on your pizza rolls. <laughs> you your face. Yeah. Have a snack. <laughs> Watch the man of the family. It's like a one-man party. <laughs> and you see an invisible head rip his ding-dong off. <laughs> yeah. 
Fair enough. <laughs> that leads us to movie recommendations. Yeah. And tonight I'm going to recommend segue. Head of the Invisible <laughs> Head of the Invisible Freak. <laughs> okay. Why I, I have I a like, castle when you're a maniac? Am I right? I want to believe that that's a you, pretty good title for a movie, though. By I, the yeah, way. I want to believe that freak. you created that movie just by editing the other three movies together. <laughs> the same way a friend of mine years ago told me about how he edited all three RoboCop movies into one movie, and I thought that he had like intercut the scenes, but all he did was he stopped the movies before the credits and then put up a title that said <laughs> three years later. <laughs> Genius. Awesome. That is genius, <laughs> genius fucking editing job. So it's Robo- like one movie. So RoboCop ends, fade out. Three years later, RoboCop 2 good, starts. Good work, Vera Fields. Uh, oh, man. So you're recommending what now? Uh, I don't know. Oogie Loves? You go. It's your turn. Wait, hold on. I was going to pass it off. I don't really have one this week. Okay. You don't have one. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would recommend, so watching Oogie Loves, it reminds me of uh, movies with puppets Mulholland that I really Drive. like. So I'd recommend uh, Meet the Feebles probably again. Now, what's the age group for that? Meet the Two? Feebles, yeah, probably four or five-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> Meet the Feebles. I would say I recommend ages 18 to 24. <laughs> <laughs> and high. So we, it's a strange movie where the recommended age is high. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Jackson's puppet-based uh, horror show. Yeah. So meet the feebles. Recommendation. Yeah, sure. Uh, I would like to recommend two movies. As I was saying to Elliot on the train, they rec- they represent the entire spectrum of film going. On one side of the spectrum, I would like to recommend uh, Santa Sangri by uh, Alejandro Jordowski. Fucking hate Jordowski. Uh, uh, <coughs> the guy who did uh, the Holy Mountain and El what Topo. What an asshole. <laughs> Almost directed Dune, but it didn't get off the uh, ground. So Stuart objects, and we'll get into that in a second. I don't object with his movies. He's just an asshole. Is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Personally? Yeah, I'd re- read some interviews with him. You'll okay. be shocked. It's Vincent Gallo times 10. Whoa. So I would recommend him. On, I would recommend that movie on the one side of the film-going spectrum, and the other side, I recommend Pitch Perfect, the <laughs> K. Cannon-written uh, movie about acapella singers. Starring, uh, what's her face from Up in the Air? Anna Abigail Kendrick. Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick. Abigail Kendrick. Abigail um, Anna Ken- Kendrick. So if you yeah. want Pitch sort perfect. of a, um, if you sort want of a, a cross between a <laughs> Almodovar movie and a David Lynch film that's kind of a weird circus themed horror film. Pitch perfect it is. <laughs> then watch Santa Sangri. <laughs> and if you want. A uh, goofy, light acapella comedy starring a lot of cute ladies <laughs> that doesn't necessarily add up to any sort of plot that makes sense, but is a pleasant viewing experience. Watch Pitch Perfect. So that's, if you want to know what it's like to be in Dan McCoy's head all the time, yeah. watch a double it's feature a of Santa Sangre and Pitch Perfect. <laughs> all the time. Uh, who's winning? Who knows? <laughs> we all know whoever wins, we lose. <laughs> That's on the poster for Dan's head. <laughs> for Dan's head, Dan's the movie. Head of the family. Dan's head of the invisible Dan's head of the family castle. Uh, I will recommend a movie then because it's my turn to do that. Sure. I'm going to recommend a movie. I don't think I recommended before. Uh, it's a Milos Forman movie called Taking Off. Uh, this is a movie that he made. It I. It may have been his first American movie now that I think about it, actually. Uh, he made it in the early 70s about 
two parents, uh, Buck Henry is the dad, and I don't remember who plays the mom, whose their daughter runs off, and they try to find her, but really what they're doing is kind of bumping up against their own inability to be uh, stable adults and kind of uh, to be parents who understand their kid and the way they kind of reach the limits of their own um, – what's it called? Social order. I don't know how to put it. It's a it's a very funny movie, and I'm describing it in a way that's not funny. And it's intercut with scenes from what I guess is supposed to be like an open mic audition for a number of various young people singing different songs. And among one of them is a very young Kathy Bates who sings a song I guess she wrote because she's credited with it. Uh, that's a bizarre folk song that involves winged horses. Uh, but it's a very funny movie and a very touching movie, and it's a movie that kind of gets across – Better than other movies I've seen, what that generation gap must have been like between the baby boomer generation and their parents. But from the point of view of the parents at a time when the audience's sympathies were pretty much always with the kids. Uh, and it's a really good movie. Now, this movie uh, is out of print on video, and it's never been released okay, on so DVD. We can't, we can't see it. No, wrong. Because, and I normally wouldn't recommend it this way, but the whole movie is up on YouTube in one video. So if you do a, a YouTube search for Taking Off 1971... The entire movie is in one video in pretty good quality, actually, video-wise. Uh, and that's how I watched it because it's hard to see otherwise unless it's playing in a repertory theater near you, and, a revival theater. But it's really good, and it's a very, like, touching movie that's also funny and feels the closest I can think of of, like, a Czech New Wave movie made in the United States. And if it's on YouTube, you can just watch it at work or something, right? Yeah, yeah, just watch it at work on a phone. And then when you're done, watch that video of those kids who had just watched The Odd Life of Timothy Green freaking out, because that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can watch good. that cat they that plays the keyboard. so sad about Timothy Green dying. You can watch any video you want. It's YouTube. But first, I'd say watch this one. <laughs> and one of the things I like about it that I'll mention is there are a lot of people in it who do not have what you would think of as movie faces. They have, like, regular real-life faces, and it's a thing that – Movies used to have a lot more of, and now you almost never see it. Anyone in a movie is either super beautiful or ridiculously goofy, and there's no in-between. There's no, like, normal-looking people anymore. So you can get your fill off of normal-looking people in this movie. Guys, I I just want to point out something that I noticed. On the theme of making fun of Elliot, which appears to be the mailbag theme of this uh, episode, I've noticed that when I'm making a movie recommendation, it's almost impossible for me to get through it Due to the interruptions. When Stuart's making a movie recommendation, there's still a fair number of interruptions. <laughs> hey. When Elliot talks about a movie, somehow we both fall silent I think, I think out we of found, respect. I think we found the missing link between <laughs> about what's causing that, and it's me. <laughs> it's yeah. the guy who yeah, can't Yeah, you can't interrupt talking. yourself. Come on. I could try. Yeah. Uh, I think that's well, a challenge. Probably, yeah, that's the yeah. challenge I'll pick up next time if I remember, which Let's I won't. See if Elliot can interrupt himself. If there is a next time, because I think Oogie Loves Brokus. <laughs> <laughs> I think we might need to take some time off after this one, yeah. but as we're the, not though. As, as the photo I posted to the Facebook group showed, with Stuart again face down on the ground, just you've never seen just up. heartbreak <laughs> quitting. He has quit life at that point. <laughs> Uh, it's the moment when someone's on a long march in a war movie and they just drop. And it's like, yeah. you know what? I can't walk anymore. I've been giving Dan the football to hold for so long and he <laughs> keeps yanking it away from me. Well, it's like, the, it's like the, when the quotes, it's like what the quote says. When you're tired of Oogie Loves, you're tired of life. No. <laughs> when you're watching Oogie Loves, you're trying to escape life. <laughs> well, uh, it's time, sadly, to sign off uh, for the Flophouse. I've been Dan McGoy. 
I'm still Stuart Wellington. <laughs> and I'll always be Elliot Kalin. What's that? Oh, come on, I'm trying to say my name. Can you not interrupt me for once? Oh, oh, I interrupted myself. Oogie loves. Oogie loves! You rewatch it from the beginning until they discover who killed Laura Palmer. And then you're done. And then maybe if you want to skip ahead, you can watch the finale. Yeah, because the end of the finale is pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. Although I was so mad at it, about it at the time. I'm like, what? They can't. No! That's but Coop. That's very sad. Butt Coop. Butt Coop. That's where you keep your butts. <laughs> All right. Let's, I tell you, uh, I wanted to build a butt Coop in my backyard, but my wife doesn't want me to raise butts. Maybe we'll <laughs> save money on eggs. Good stuff. Because eggs come out of butts? <laughs> they come out of someone's butt. Sure. That chicken's.